Surah 43, ayah number 65. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. فَاخْتَلَفَ الْأَحْزَابُ مِنْ بَيْنِهِمْ فَوَيْلٌ لِلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمٍ أَلِيمٍ So people, parties and groups after Isa al-Islam, they split into groups and they had different opinions. So wail and woe unto those who are unjust and they should fear a punishment that is very painful. Mm. Are they awaiting anything except the final hour that it will come upon them all of a sudden while they do not know anything about it? So you ready? explain these ayat last week also. But it segues into the next ayah. Al-Akhillāu yawma idhim ba'aduhum li ba'adin adūun illa al-muttaqīn. Al-Akhillāu, those who are close friends, they will become enemies to each other on that day, except those who have taqwa those who are God-fearing. So this is a discussion on friendship. Who is your friend and how long can this person remain your friend? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is directing our attention to the Day of Judgment, that on the Day of Judgment, your true friend will be the one who has taqwa, the one who fears Allah, and the one who encourages you and exhorts you to do good things and towards exhorts you towards the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on. So you do have levels of friendship. This one, Siddiq, Sadiq, is the word we use in Arabic, which comes from the root word Sidq, which means truth and truthfulness. So it seems that they understood that friendship had to be based on truth and truthfulness, both honesty, integrity, and so on. And there are levels of friendship that you can read about, etc. But here the true friend is those who exhort each other towards the truth, and those who exhort each other towards patience, that they will meet each other on the Day of Judgment, and they still want to remain friends on the Day of Judgment. So you have, you know, a vision for your friendship, other than what some people might call utility in friendship. Hmm? Yeah. So Aristotle has levels of friendship, or reason for friendship. One is utility and the other is moral value, and so on. But here the Qur'an is alluding to this, that you will be accompanying each other in this world for many reasons, and for various reasons. 
one of the greatest reasons is now religion or political affiliation. So you had communism, now you have capitalism, democracy, whatever. Then Islam and Kufr. So those who are Jews uh, will be friends with Jews and those who are Christian will be friends with Christians and those who are Muslim will be friends with Muslims, etc. So religion is a reason uh, to have friendship. And Islam is the best reason to have friendship. So your level of Islam will become apparent on the Day of Judgment. That's why this verse is speaking about the Day of Judgment, that it will become very clear then, there and then who is your true friend. So those who have taqwa will come out in front of everybody and they will now lead people into Jannah because of their friendship. So now, the friendship that lasts and survives into Jannah, then it's friendship. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, yes, you may have friendship for various reasons here, uh, that you have uh, benefit and company and likes, dislikes, but the real friendship is when you can be together in Jannah. So, so because the previous ayah speaks about the Ahzab. Ayah number 65 speaks about the Ahzab, confederates, affiliations, alliances, etc. So there are many reasons for political alliances, capital alliances, financial alliances, okay, alliances based on blood, on relatives, on marriage. The greatest alliance is the alliance of deen. This is what Allah is saying. So now in this surah, surah al-Zukhruf, where there are ornaments, and one of the ornaments for human beings is on the day of judgment when they will have alliances based on taqwa. If you don't have taqwa on the day of judgment and you don't bring it there, then you will become each other's enemies. So this is what this ayah is saying. They will become enemies of each other and they will disown each other and they will run away from each other. And they will desert each other because they have their own uh, necks to save. So they'll be more worried about their own salvation rather than trying to help someone else. They won't have time for anyone else. So those who have taqwa will be secure and they will not have any fear and they won't have any regrets, and they will be very happy uh, to be with the people they are with. This is how we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that you must develop spiritual ornaments as you crave for worldly ornaments also. Ya ibadi la khawfan alaykum al-yawma wa la antum tahzanun. There are those who have taqwa, Allah will address them by this. O my servants, there is no fear upon you today nor do you have any grief. So this is now the height of wilaya, of being friends with Allah. So there's friendship with Allah also, known as wilaya. So Allah is a friend of all believers. Allahu waliyu amanu. Allah is the patron of all believers. So there is that friendship with the divine also. So when the divine now assumes friendship with you, 
he will say, there's no fear upon you this day and there's no reason for you to grieve anything on this day. So again, the eventual destination is that Allah should say to you that he is your wali, which he is, even in this dunya. Allah is the wali of believers, as in that ayah. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَكَانُوا مُسْلِمِينَ When will Allah announce this? And to whom? It is when His servants believe in all of His ayat, all of His signs and all of His miracles and His creation. And then they submit. And they were submitting people. Yeah. They were always in the mode and mood of submitting. Muslimin here... Uh, is not necessarily referring to the Islam that we know. Muslimin here is taken from the literal meaning of submission. That they would recognize and appreciate and believe Allah's signs in the cosmos in themselves and Allah's signs in recitation in the Quran and they would submit to them and they would reconcile their ideas and their desires with Allah's ayat yeah, not with themselves, if those ayat went against their nafs and so on. So now this is the height of submission, that you become Allah's friend by submitting to him. So this is how Allah will then reward these servants by saying there's no fear, there's no grief, there's no regret, you will live in Jannah uh, forever, which is what the next ayah says. Enter you, the paradise, enter. You and your wives, your spouses together. Very, very happy. That when you enter the paradise that is promised to you, you will not be alone. So you have companionship in Jannah. And that companionship will turn into pleasure, enjoyment, and fun, which is one of the reasons why you have friends here. When you have friends here, you want to enjoy each other's company. So you go out to dinner, you go out to do this, you go out to, you're always doing things together. So there's a togetherness in friendship. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you fear Allah and you are submitting to Allah, Allah will grant you togetherness with your spouses in which you will be enjoying each other's company. Tuhbarun, yeah. You will be pleased and you will be happy. So that friendship will then translate into permanent bliss. Then you will not want to be separated from each other because of this. So this is how we see the idea of friendship being discussed in the Qur'an this way. Yeah. So more than that, the setting and the ambience will be extremely blissful, extremely desirable and pleasant. So you can enjoy each other in this world, but you may not be very rich. Uh, you may not have too many luxuries, but you can still be friends and still enjoy each other's company. So Allah says that you will enjoy 
each other's company, but the setting and the ambiance will be splendid. Uh, which will, it will be out of this world. Okay. So now here Allah says that platters of gold and cups of gold will be presented around them. They'll be pressed around them. They'll be circled, circulated around them in which there will be exquisite fruit and exquisite food. Uh, and then on top of that, وَفِيهَا مَا الْأَنفُسِ One of the descriptions of Jannah is that in Jannah there is everything that this self desires and craves. Mm. Yeah. Whatever the nafs desires and craves will be there instantaneously. And more than that, ayun. Yeah. Pure bliss for the eyes. The ladha and the sweetness of the eyes will be there. And then you live there permanently. So Allah is now giving glad tidings to those people who make friends with Allah in this world and they associate with people who fear Allah in this world. And the result of that is that their friendship will be consolidated, it will be made permanent, and they will live together uh, with, in bliss for eternity. So this is the reward of those who are submissive to Allah's ayat, Allah's signs, these signs come to you either in life experience or in Allah's creation or sometimes in dreams, sometimes in other things and sometimes just through ibadah you see Allah's signs in you and once you do that you submit to Allah the creator of those signs and say Allah can create this here in this world Allah is more than capable of creating anything else in the other world. Mm. So the other world is a place where Allah will manifest His creativity much more. And this is, or these are the gardens of paradise that you have inherited, meaning since you were here, in the form of Adam and Hawa before, you are now inheriting your place of residence. So our original residence and address is Jannah, and we are simply making a return journey to our original residence. In that sense, there is now inheritance, that you have inherited Jannah because of your actions. Because of that which you do. Obviously, this first underneath Allah's will and permission, and then the fruits of Jannah will be according to your amal and your action, which is mentioned next. In there, there will be many types of fruits, and many fruits, many fruits, and many types of fruits. From that, you will be eating. Yeah. So you have a fruit, that you will recognize is the reward of your salat. You'll have a fruit that you will recognize is the reward of your dhikr. You'll have a fruit that you will recognize is the reward of your zakat and salm and hajj. So there will be different fruits for different amal. And that you have now inherited since you died. So that's another meaning of inheritance, that you died and after death you inherit. But what do you inherit after you die? Your own actions. Well, that's another way to look at 
this description. And you will eat forever from this. So these fruits are everlasting and you will never get tired. No fruit will become monotonous for you. Every fruit will have a new taste every time you taste it. And that is how Allah will keep the imagination alive because Allah will now create his signs in Jannah as he creates his signs in the dunya. So Jannah, there are signs of Allah. Allah's creativity, Allah's majesty, his beauty, his uh, elegance, and his um, supremacy, etc. So you have now that, you know, ornaments of decoration, zukhruf, in terms of societal uh, prestige, right? And, you know, items to talk about. So in society, when you're with people, you talk about food, clothing, cars, stocks, job, children, everything. So Allah is saying this is something else you should be focusing on so that you can talk about it in Jannah. And then what is that? Taqwa, your submission, your kind actions and your willingness to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which will translate at a societal level, but in Jannah. So in Jannah, you'll be discussing all of these subtle things rather than the mundane things. This is how you say, minha ta'kulun, you'll be eating with each other uh, of those fruits and so on. So there's companionship, there's eternity, there's setting, there's ambience, and there's plenty of food and plenty of bliss there. So that is the companionship you should seek. So that's one thing. The other thing which I've mentioned before is that the community of Jannah is just that. It is a community. It is ashab. In ashab there's suhbah. So in Jannah, you'll have the suhbah of each other. You'll not be isolated from one another. You won't have your own little house, you know, two and a half car garage uh, with a picket fence around it, and that's my terrain. None of that. You'll be ashab. You'll be each other's companions. So there will be a lot of intermingling, a lot of socializing in Jannah. You won't be individualistic. So you have to remember that. that. If you want to get into Jannah, then you have to know how to live with people here so that you can live with people there. Yeah. So this kind of isolation, Islam doesn't work. Uh, you, know, you have certain pe- people, groups of people who are kind of holier than thou, they don't want to mix and mingle. So we're not saying you mix and mingle for the sake of mixing and mingling, but you don't have to have a, a holier-than-thou attitude towards people and you look down upon people and you condemn them. Okay, you have to make dua for them so they become your sahib in Jannah. That's how the ummah is now developed. So this is now the community of Jannah is going to be made up of individuals who will be each other's companion, sahib, which is the high level of friendship. Okay, so the Prophet's companions were his ashab, not just his friends. Right? So, suhbah is greater than friendship. That's how you get al-khillau, where khulla is a higher level of companionship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Ibrahim khalil, which is a much higher level of friendship than sadiq. Sadiq is a friend, but khalil is a true friend who submits 
to the will of the friend. That's the Khalil. Oh, yeah. So this is how you must now read these ayat, that these ornaments of honor and prestige and boasting, they are available to you also in Jannah, but you have to earn them. You have to inherit them by means of your living here in this world. On the other side, you have another group of people who will face the wrath of Allah, and they are mentioned here. Indeed, those who are criminal, they are in the punishment of Jahannam forever. They will be living there forever. Meaning that the people who are criminals, they are an association to themselves. They are a group of themselves and they will live in Jannah with themselves but uh, totally detached from each other not the way the people of Jannah are attached to each other. So there's the word mujrim is used in early Makkah to show that not believing in Allah is actually a social crime. That's why the word mujrim is used, as you know from the seerah. Okay, so the Quran came down to tell the Quraysh, these people who, whom you call are renegades, and they turned away from their deen, they are not criminals. You are the criminals for not believing in Allah. Okay, so now criminality and sin now come together in this phrase. La anhum wa hum fihi mublisoon. They will not be spared in Jannah of any punishment. They will not be given any respite. And in there, they will be despondent and they'll not have any hope whatsoever to leave that place. It shows you the mindset that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will impose on these people as further punishment. It was not us that wronged them. In fact, it was themselves who wronged themselves. They have now, they are the dhalim, they are the wrongdoers. Allah is not the dhalim. Allah gave them the ability, the, the volition, the equal opportunity to procure salvation, but they did not take it, so now they wrong themselves. And as they wrong themselves, they will unfortunately have to have a dialogue with people, beings whom they don't want to have a dialogue. وَنَادَوْ يَا مَالِكْ لِيَخْضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكَ So Malik is the warden of Jahannam. Yeah, and he is there, right at the gates of Jahannam. So they will call unto Malik. They'll call him. Ya Malik, let your Lord decide for us and then finish the job. Meaning tell him to kill us and give us death instead of keeping us in this punishment. He will respond, no, you're going to stay here. This is where you belong. This is where you deserve to be. The truth was, we had brought the truth to you, but most of you disliked and detested the truth. So because of that action and reaction, you will now face the consequences of that, and that is a permanent state. The state of kufr is permanent, a psychological, spiritual, 
or not so spiritual state, it stays with you all the time. You're always going to be in kufr, even when you sleep. Doesn't matter what you do, you're still in kufr. Yeah. Likewise, you're still a Muslim, even if you sleep and drink, etc. So now the state of kufr is permanent, therefore your state in Jahannam will also be permanent, because you permanently rejected the truth. So that is how, now you see, the punishment fits the crime, literally. Are they going to decide something, a matter? Are they going to now decide this matter is forever? No, they can't do anything. Because we are the ones who are going to now decide the matter. Mubaram is something that is decided, meaning permanently fixed, which is an, not uh, rescindable. Yeah. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will address these people in Jahannam. أَمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّا لَا نَسْمَعُ سِرَّهُمْ وَنَجْوَاهُمْ بَلَا وَرُسُولُنَا لَدَيْهِمْ يَكْتَبُونَ Or did they think or assume that we are not listening to what it is that they say secretly, their secret, and also in their private counsel? Do they assume or believe that since no one is listening to them, that they will not be charged and they will not be taken to task? But uh, the truth of the matter is our messengers are with them, writing, documenting, meaning we have messengers on their shoulders, kiram, katibun, and we have other angels, and they are now testifying on the Day of Judgment, and their book of deeds will also testify because it's recorded documentation here. So documentation here, that the angels document so that there is no evidence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not punish anyone without proving through evidence, with evidence, that they did wrong. So this documentation. They'll have no recourse but to accept what they have done. Yeah, this is all in uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the um, phase or the period of life after Isa salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the people of the Ahzab initially, that they took Isa uh, to be something that he is not. Hmm. So this is why you have the next ayah talking about the Rahman having a son. Yeah. So anyway, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing the Dhalim, the one who is unjust to himself and to others, that their dhulm will be with them uh, on the Day of Judgment and in جهنم عاذن الله منها قل إن كان للرحمن ولد فأنا أول العابدين Say O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam If the Rahman indeed had a son Then indeed I am the first of his servants This is somewhat difficult Because of its difficulty We have to translate it correctly so there, inkana means uh, if Allah. The in doesn't mean he does not have. It's not a nafia. It is shartiya. So if Allah, the Rahman, had a son, then if he was to take a son, then he would have taken the best person to be his son. 
And since I'm the first one to be his servant, he would have chosen me to be his son and not Isa. That's the logic there. But the truth is, this has not happened and it will not happen. It is simply uh, hypothetical, meaning it does not exist. So now you would want to be close to someone who can be your confidant and the person who is the greatest confidant to Allah is the one who worships him the most. So there's a relationship between the abid and the ma'bud, the servant and the one being served, the worshipper and the one being worshipped. That relationship is huge. So when you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you become very close to him and he becomes close to you. So that relationship is divine almost and is sacred. That should now be the standard by which you might want to say that if Allah was to take a son, then he would take this person to be a son. But that didn't happen. He has no son. So there's no reason for you to assume Isa is the son of God. So meaning that this is all very hypothetical. It does not happen. It has not happened and will not happen in real life. That's the benefit of the word in, if. Anyway, so this we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that there is no room for you in the domain of friendship to assume that Isa is a closer friend to Allah than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yeah? Yeah. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And since Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not Isa, is not Allah's son, nor is Isa. Yeah, like that. Glorified is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. Glorified is the Lord of the Arsh. Uh, and he is uh, above and beyond anything that they describe him with. Meaning they cannot say Allah has a son. Nor can they say that these idols are worthy of worship. Allah is above and beyond that. He is above and beyond any inconsistency, any deficiency, any need, any ihtiyaj, any dependency on anything. He exists alone with himself, by himself, and through himself. He doesn't need anyone there. So this is why these ayat of tasbih and tanzih are huge to illustrate the idea that neither is Isa, Allah's son, nor are the angels... Allah's daughters, nor are the idols now worthy of being worshipped. Complete tanzi subhana. He is way above all of that. He is not in need of anything that he creates. These are all his creation. He is not in need of their, his creation. The creation is in need of him. So you cannot describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with these blasphemous ideas and so on. But human beings will be human beings and they will do what they want to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs the Prophet فَذَرْهُمْ Let them be. يَخُوضُوا So they can they remain in vanity and they can remain in uh, amusement and playing and so on. يَخُوضُوا They can then just drown in all of these speculations. حَتَّى يُلَاقُوا يَوْمُهُمُ الَّذِي until uh, they meet. 
the day that has been promised to them. When they meet that day, they will then realize that they have been so wrong about Allah. And so, but then it will be too late for them, and so on. وَهُوَ الَّذِي فِي السَّمَاءِ وَفِي الْأَرْضِ الْحَكِيمُ الْعَلِيمُ He is the one who is now the worshipped in the heavens. He is now the one who is worshipped on earth, and so on. So he has now uluhiyah and ilahiyah in the heavens and also on the earth. He is the same being in the heavens as he is on the earth. He is the one worthy of worship, as he is the all-wise and the all-knowing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need anyone besides him to be worshipped on earth, like Isa al-Islam, nor does he want anyone to be worshipped in the heavens, like the people of Quraysh assumed about the angels. His dominion is both in the sky, and his dominion, dominion is on the earth also. He is the one. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presents this idea of Tawheed so that people will understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now above and beyond anything that they assume He is. Allah is not to be perceived or conceived in any way, shape, or form. But the barakal ladhi lahu mulku samawati wal ardu ma baynahuma wa indahu ilmusa'ah wa ilayhi turi'awun. At the same time, as he is totally independent of his creation, he is also very generous to his creation. So usually in the world when someone is very high and mighty and independent, he would never bother with people. But Allah is not like that. So Allah now has this sifat of tanzi, where it's totally above and beyond any description, but he also has these attributes and sifat of tashbih, where he comes down to the level of grace and honor and dignity and generosity and so on. That is mentioned or implied in the word tabaraka. Tabaraka ta'ala. He is very high, but there is a tremendous baraka in his highness. Right? He is high. He's above. Independent. But despite being independent, he is al-ghani al-hamid. He is the one worthy of praise. So he is ghani, totally independent, is hamid. So yeah, first in the first ayat you have subhana. In these ayat you have tabaraka. Hmm. So tabaraka will now show you that his willingness uh, to engage with his creation hmm, is what allows the creation to be creation. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he, said, he says, "Blessed be the one," which is fine because there's an element of baraka in that word. Ta'ala, tabaraka, usually mufassirun say tabaraka means ta'ala. He is very high above everything. But with his highness, he comes down to the rescue of his creation. The one who has dominion, kingdom, power, authority of the heavens and the earth, and everything within the tomb. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring down sustenance and will bring down honor dignity and his fadl on anything and everything that he creates, even though he is totally independent of the creation. Yeah, so then you have these two opposites coming together. He doesn't need to, but he does. Yeah. And with him alone is the knowledge of the hour. Yeah, so meaning that his mulk, uh, his kingdom, sovereignty, extends also in knowledge. 
that in knowledge he has the prerogative to know the hour and not to disclose it to anyone. Because knowledge of that hour is huge. What is that hour? The destruction of the universe as we know it. And that's huge. (laughs) If you know, let's say you have these people who, uh, even non-Muslims, who participate in the the idea of the the end is coming uh, and they they have now uh, contingency plans for the doomsday. Contingency plans so that they store food and water somewhere and they have a basement which is now ready until just in case the doomsday come. But when the doomsday come, that food and water won't help them. So that knowledge information is now precious. Nobody knows that except Allah, not even the angels. So he keeps that to himself because he has mulk. He has kingdom of the heavens and the earth. And part of that kingdom and sovereignty and prerogative is to know when the hour is coming. So your preparation for the hour should be with your iman and amal and not through any other means. It is only to him that all of you will return. You will be turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on. So you see these ayat now express Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's might and power and these also express Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity and so on. وَلَا يَمْلِكُ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَهِدَ بِالْحَقِّ وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ No one owns the prerogative uh, from those who they call besides him. They don't have the prerogative of shafa'ah, intercession. No one has the ability to intercede إِلَّا مَنْ شَهِدَ بِالْحَقِّ except the one who testifies with the truth, to the truth, وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ as they know the truth. And so on. Shafa'a is an established principle, but it will only be with Allah's permission. And Allah will only give those people permission to intercede those who believe in Him. And so, this is another prerogative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He may allow people to intercede for each other in His court. And if you were to ask them, O Muhammad, who has created them? Indeed, most certainly, they will say Allah. How can they then turn away? How can they then turn away after knowing at the macro level, most of the pagan Arabs believed Allah is the creator of the heavens and the earth at the macro level. Their problem was at the micro level, the day-to-day activity and you know, micromanaging the affairs of the world. So they will say Allah. So how they, that Allah is able to create the heavens and the earth, but he's not able to help you with your food, with your sustenance, with your travel, uh, with your medicine, and everything else. Yeah. Then most, uh, it is said, um, they would say, um, ya Rabbi, O oh our Lord, these people are people who do not believe, they don't have faith, and that's why they reject the whole idea of Allah being able to help them on a daily basis. فَاسْفَحْ عَنْهُمْ وَقُلْ سَلَامٌ 
So now that you must now turn away from them, فَصْفَحْعَنْهُمْ and pardon them and say peace. فَصُوفَ يَعْلَمُونَ They'll come to know. Soon enough they will come to know who is who and where is the truth and who has the truth. But until that time, you must spare them, you must pardon them. This obviously is in Makkah where there was no room to now defend uh, themselves against the accusations, allegations of people, and they were they, later on jihad was established so that they may retaliate against people who oppress them. Anyways, but the idea here is, is that people will say what they want to say about Allah, and since prophets are very close to Allah, they are the first servants of Allah, they love Allah dearly, and when people come and attack Allah, and misrepresent Allah and distort the idea of who Allah is, and they, they, they commit kufr, then that naturally angers the one who worships Allah. Mm. So when the mushrikun are saying this, the Prophet ﷺ is disturbed. He's emotionally disturbed. What should I do with these people? They're insulting God, and I can't stand for that any more than I can stand for anyone insulting my parents. So this is where fasfa'anhum comes into play. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet although you are emotionally distraught because of the insults they hurl against Allah and the Rasul, you must be patient. You must turn the other cheek here. And you must now, instead of condemning them, you must make dua for them. And when they do that, when you do that, in, indeed someday they will know. For They'll know one day that you are the Rasul and Allah is the Rabb and so on. So this is now dominion and kingdom authority comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those people who worship him and loves those people whom he sends as his representatives. But they, will, they are asked to observe the rules of time and space and the rules of human interaction and understand human frailties, even though those frailties may result in shirk. Okay, the prophets are not allowed to condemn people until the job is complete. When the job is complete, then yes, Allah will take care of them. Or you can take care of them through jihad and fatih Makkah and so on. But until then, you must also follow the rules of now delivering the message. The code of uh, messengership has to be established and then uh, adopted. And this is what the Prophet did. So anyway, these are ayat that occur in Surah Zukhruf, where there's an element of ornamentation and gold and silver and all of that was something that, as I mentioned before, something that glitters is not always gold. But you may be glittering on the Day of Judgment if you follow these rules and if you follow this style of delivering the message. And people will be people. There's not much you can do about that except the Quran, along with its now, uh, what do you call it, um, preaching, has a tremendous intellectual insights. The ayat speak intellectually about so many realities and so many phenomena that if you look at each ayah separately, individually, you'll find more and more knowledge coming to you from those ayat. So the Qur'an is a book of dhikr, 
of remembrance. The Quran is a book of ilm, knowledge, also, and you combine the two together, and that's why Fasufi Alamun is really huge that they will know what is knowledge. Knowledge has to be now what we call conclusive and not something that's speculative. So they will know conclusively who is the truth and where is the truth, etc. So the Quran's now message is now find the truth. The truth is based on concrete knowledge, it's not based on speculative knowledge. And unfortunately, people will know this when they die. That's the problem <laughs> with delaying belief. Belief gives you knowledge of certainty, and you must now adopt the line of the Prophet ﷺ to find that certainty. Yeah, certainty gives you conviction, it gives you sukoon, peace, tranquility. And speculation gives you a lot of problems, anxiety, guessing, estimating, maybe this, maybe that. Anyway, that's the idea that uh, we have to uh, be in line with what Allah and His Rasul are saying to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to recite and learn the Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to act upon the Qur'an. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khaira khalqi. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in bi rahmatik ya Rabbi.